KJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary helps you find your happy place. Happy Thursday. Welcome back to our advocacy show. My name is Marley. I'm the Vice President External here at the University of Calgary Students' Union. We're continuing on our theme this week to focus on the municipal election and a very timely theme. Advanced polls opened on Monday, so we are getting closer and closer. Before we introduce our first guest, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the Treaty 7 region here in southern Alberta, which comprises of the Siksika, Pekani, and Kainai First Nations, as well as the Stony Nakoda. The city of Calgary is also home to Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3. So today is a very special episode. We've been focusing before this on mayoral candidates, Ward 7 candidates, and Ward 8 candidates. But today I'd like to move a little more west and go to the Ward 1 candidates. So if you're not familiar where Ward 1 is, I definitely recommend checking out Elections Calgary's website. If you type in your postal code, they'll tell you what ward you're in. So if you're in Ward 1, this is definitely the episode to listen to. Uh, My first guest is Sonia Sharp. She is the candidate for Ward 1 City Councilor. Sonia, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Marley, for having me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you chose to run for Ward 1 City Councilor? Okay, so um, good morning, everyone. That's listening. I am a born Ward 1 City of Calgary resident. Uh, I've lived in Ward 1 for uh, 41 years now. Wow. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And um, so, you know, a little bit about myself. I actually went to university to be a teacher and I spent three years at UofL and then I came back to run my family's business um, when my mom fell ill. And so I had to put my education on the back burner for a while, but then uh, I took over my family's construction business and then I actually went to SAIT and graduated with Building Development Technology to in 2004. Um, while I ran the construction business, I became a City of Calgary lifeguard. Um, full disclosure, I actually swam for UCSC from Go the ages of 8 to <laughs> 18. So a little bit of uh, alumni there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, in 2006, we got re- got we sold the construction business and um, I had met my now husband uh, at university at the time and we took mm-hmm. um uh, an opportunity to buy some businesses, and we ran our own businesses from twenty or sorry, two thousand six to twenty sixteen. Yes. At the same time, um, I got a job at the City of Calgary Planning mm-hmm. Department and spent fourteen years there. And in uh, twenty uh, seventeen, I became the small business coordinator, and then in twenty nineteen, I became and built the team around uh, business and local economy. I spent uh, just there mostly during COVID, mm-hmm. and uh, it was of this year I decided that you know I wanted to do more. There's so much you can do inside City Hall mm-hmm. um, as an uh, being part of administration. So it was time for me to um, resign and, uh, you know, put my name forward to run for Ward 1 City Councillor and make an impact for not just the Ward 1 residents, but for the City of Calgary. Mm-hmm. Your experience with the city yeah, is super interesting. And maybe you can elaborate on that a little bit and how what you learned sort of inside that city administration place would, you know, shape your perspective as a potential councillor. Yes. Um, so, you know, 20 years uh, in City Hall working in, you know, different levels of uh, different, uh, sorry, different departments and then, mm-hmm. you know, right up to the city manager's office. It gives you a unique experience. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, and, you know, the changes that I would 
wanted to implement on the inside didn't always get, you know, cross the finish line. Right. Uh, some of them did, which is, you know, really grateful. And uh, a lot of my ex-colleagues um, are such great workers. And, you know, I'm ready to commit to continuing that momentum of change mm-hmm. and pushing status quo. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important. And another thing is, you know, we talk about change and uh, the next four years, actually, we need to do it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to be action-oriented. And that's probably one of the biggest qualities that I bring to the table. For sure. Yeah, that's great to hear. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about Ward 1. You know, what mm-hmm. priorities are you hearing at the doors that are most uh, pr- promising for Ward 1 residents at the right now? So there's a couple, uh, I would say there's a good four that, you know, uh, thread solidly through all the communities. Uh, one of them happens to be communication. Um, and communication's a two-way um, two-way effort. Mm-hmm. You know, counselor to constituents and constituents to counselor. Yeah. You need to make sure that the constituents' voices are being heard. And my, you know, I can promise that that will happen out of my office. Um, communication is a very strong attribute of mine, but it's also been, you know, uh, a success of my previous previous roles. The other thing I'm hearing is um, protecting green space and parkland. You know, Ward 1 has a beautiful um, series of park yeah. uh, lands and <laughs> that everyone likes to enjoy all the time. And I think that's really important to make sure that, you know, we are continuing to allow for those places for families. And uh, the reason people move to Ward 1 is mm-hmm. mostly about the parks. Yeah. Um, you know, and the other thing I'm hearing is traffic safety on residential streets. Um, and this isn't just one community. This is, you know, four, five, six communities, especially around school zones. Um, We need to really make sure that our streets are safe. Mm -hmm. It is a responsibility of the City of Calgary to make sure public safety is number one. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of great conversations about some of the intersections that need to be a high priority and my commitment is there to fix those. Mm -hmm. The other thing I'm hearing is smart, like smart spending. Um, You know, we talk a little, we talk a lot about, you know, reducing taxes or zero taxes. Um, I think the first thing we need to do realistically is evaluate the books. Mm -hmm. We need to see where we're going to be at in November of this year when it comes to budget um, and then, you know, figure out where we need to be smart with our money, where we may need to cut and where we need to spend. And, um, you know, I don't believe in cutting frontline services. You know, we have an obligation to provide uh, core services for our citizens of the city. And mm-hmm. I think that there's opportunity um, in other areas that we can look for efficiencies. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm hearing on the doorsteps. Mm-hmm. I've uh, spoken to over now 2,500 uh, <laughs> folks on the doors. And, um, you know, so I think we have a, me, myself and my team, the Sharp Campaign, have a good handle on what we're hearing. Yeah, that's definitely a lot. I want to go back to the first piece that you mentioned about communication with mm-hmm. your counselor um, and sort of this engagement piece. Mm-hmm. Although there's no post-secondary institution in Ward 1, there's still a really large student presence and youth presence. How have you engaged with the youth on your campaign, but also afterwards, like you were talking about as a counselor, to make sure you're still listening to those voices um, and have them heard in the decisions that you're making as Ward 1 counselor. Mm-hmm. And one thing I'll say is I encourage all young voters to get out there and put their vote in. Yeah. Um, it's really important. Uh, you know, I was uh, when I was 18, I remember voting my first time. And it's a little daunting when you mm-hmm. get out there and put. you're not <laughs> sure, you know, what to be doing. But it's OK. And, you know, ask a lot of questions. Um, actually, living in varsity, I did engage with a, quite a few university students. That's good to hear. Um, and, you know, I have a lot of great uh, students on my campaign and helping me out uh, from the post-secondary world. But, um, you know, a lot of conversation of not being heard. 
and their uh, perspective not being heard with the decisions we're making as a council. And I think that's really important. Um, We need to engage young Calgarians, making sure they feel represented in the decisions we're making for our future. Um, You know, we always say that they are our future. They actually are. So this (laughs) next four years is actually really important. And that's why I said, please get out there and vote. Uh, Do your research on your your councillors and your mayor. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, as future councillor, I want to make sure that I'm, you know, listening to the students, uh, you know, post-secondaries, you know, University of Calgary is really close to um, Ward 1, yeah. but it doesn't stop there. We can, you know, we, we will reach out to other universities, and I think, you know, making sure that their voices are heard with the decisions. We also have a little bit of a problem in Calgary, and we've heard it. It's been in articles, you know, we've got the brain drain going on. Yes. Um, why aren't we staying competitive with other municipalities, province, and states? Uh, I've got, um, I'm a mother of two younger children. Uh, one of them is in grade 8, and, you know, as as parents, we never want our kids to move away and go to school. <laughs> We want our kids to stay close to home, yeah. but we need to make sure that we are supporting um, our existing industries, yeah. but promoting Calgary's competitive advantage, you know, like the computer sciences, you know, is an opportunity to, you know, make us have a small, you know, Silicon Valley of the North. Um, right. These are really, really important uh, things to start thinking about. Yeah, well, it's music to my ears to hear you say that as a student leader, um, especially the piece about, you know, our voices not being heard. That's been the whole experience, um, you know, and on issues that are directly like frontline for students, things like the UPASS, transit access, mm-hmm. affordable housing. Like those are things that, you know, we want to be heard on and have lots to say um, and then just don't have a place to really do that. So, yeah, hearing that, you know, you've got students engaged with your campaign and, and this promise going forward, I think students will be really grateful to hear that. Um, that's our main challenge, you know, is this lack of consultation and engagement with students um, on city issues that matter most. So I guess... You know, you're as a counselor and as Ward One counselor specifically, there's a lot of competing voices. There's a lot of different demographic of people living in Ward One. How do you sort of organize that noise that you'd be hearing from students and otherwise to help shape your decisions? I think the most important thing is, you know, one thing I've said in the past, if anyone knows me, is the balance. Mm -hmm. We need to balance um, the opinions coming in. We need to make sure we're looking at facts-based research. Um, I, you know, I... Uh, the noise is hard. You, sometimes you got to park, you know, the folks that just want to get out there and just say what they have to say, but there's no solution. Mm-hmm. If you want to come to me with, um, you know, uh, an issue, let's talk about the solution together. Um, you know, I probably will be a different counselor than what people have seen in the past. Um, and it's okay because yeah. we're talking about change and I know I represent that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really do believe, you know, if I can't respond in an email, let's jump on a phone line and mm-hmm. let's talk about this. I have all the time in the world for people. And uh, balance is really important. And like you said, Ward 1 has a very unique demographic. Yeah. You know, um, the age range is, is is there. And I think, you know, when we talk about low-income transit pass, that's not just for students. That's for folks yeah. that can't get to work. And when we talk about, you know, the sliding scale to, um, you know, the the program that, that, that we've been running for years, there's an opportunity here to make things better. And it's okay to reevaluate our programs. Mm-hmm. So this is where I will need the students to step up. And even if, you know, I'm not your counselor because you're not in Ward 1, um, I, I encourage students to come to any open house I have Mm -hmm. and have a conversation with me. That's awesome. Really great to hear. And I mean, 
this semester and this year, at least as, as VP external, one of the best examples was the Vote Anywhere polling stations. Mm-hmm. Um, so for listeners who might not know, earlier in the summer, Elections Calgary made the decision not to provide voting opportunities for students physically on our campuses. Um, this was not the case in the 2017 election. There were Vote Anywhere advanced polls that allowed students to vote on campus regardless of which ward they live in. So students who lived in Ward 1 could vote on the SAIT or Mount Royal or UCalgary mm-hmm. campus, even though it's in a different ward. So the SU had to fight really hard for Elections Calgary to reverse this decision in order to give students the opportunity to vote on campus this year. How will you work as a city councillor to ensure that students, again in four years, won't have to go through this fight? Mm-hmm. Well, Marley, thanks for that. And so just out of the hopper, I will say I fundamentally disagreed with Elections Calgary, mm-hmm. um, you know, in their early decision. Uh, I understand the implications of voting in a fourth wave. Right. We can't deny yeah. that. Yeah. And that goes across the board for everybody. And they've done a good job of, you know, the early polls. But if we really want to engage students, um, disrespecting the student community by saying, you know, we can't offer this, mm-hmm. makes them feel that they're not they're, they're not, you know, yeah, important enough to exactly. be heard. Um, and it was obviously the pressure from the post-secondary community like U of C that led them to reverse their decision. And, uh, you know, I'm a believer in lessons learned. Mm-hmm. So this shouldn't even be a top of a conversation in four yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I mean, I've had other candidates in Ward 7 and Ward 8. Um, and I talk about this issue because it was, it was so important and it was a scary time to think students wouldn't have the opportunity to vote. Um, and there's the answer that I got often was, you know, there was that arm's length away, that Elections Calgary is separate from City Council. And, I mean, rightfully so, but this seems like an issue that everybody can agree on. I mean, we've had candidates, current sitting councillors, um, and our own administration here at UCalgary that agreed about this. So how would you answer to that, you know, they're one step removed from City Council? Well, at the end of the day, we're all serving the same people. Right. And that's our citizens. So, you know, if we're a one step away, well, let's just take a step back and let's do this together. Uh, the city of Calgary has a mandate, one city, one voice. Uh, yeah. Elections Calgary is an arm's length. Uh, they have, uh, we have to be yeah. able to work together. So I will say, you know, like I said before, we talk about change. This is the time to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. That's great to hear. And I wanted to say um, as a follow-up to the listeners that students did have the chance to vote on campus, um, which is very exciting this week. It was on Monday and Tuesday here at UCalgary, and I know at other campuses, it's you know kind of spread out across the week. So if you're a student at a post-secondary, definitely tune in with your student's union to find out when and where you can vote on campus, if not in your community upcoming this week. Sonia, I guess, what does that opportunity do you think means to students to be able to vote in advanced polls on their campus? I think it it means a lot to them. Mm-hmm. You know, like the students I've spoken to, they feel like they belong. They feel mm-hmm. like, yes, we're getting an opportunity to put our voices out. Um, I would love to see some stats, to be honest, yeah. after this is. I know we had, um, you know, record-breaking early turnout. But what is, if we break that down into demographic and to students, I would love to see. Me too. <laughs> and so if we can get that information after the election's over, um, then we have some, you know, wait Mm-hmm. in the next four years to say, this is why it's important to give yeah. opportunity to everybody to vote. Yeah, and it'll be really interesting to see, you know, if it follows the trend of 
2017 where yeah record you know turnout but turnout in the advanced polls mm-hmm. uh, period as well and we know the post-secondary campus polling stations definitely contribute to that so i agree the breakdown will be very interesting mm-hmm. um i want to transition now into a different topic um about transit mm-hmm. um an overwhelming number of students use and access and rely on transit but we know that transit access in ward one isn't necessarily ideal and there's a lot of students who spend a good solid few hours on transit every day to get to their campus mm-hmm. what would you do as a counselor to improve transit accessibility for students in ward one. Um, thanks for the question, Marley. I think, you know, right out of the gate, I'll say we do have a strong transit pathway system, but it's not keeping up with our population growth right. and yeah. with what's happening um, with more students that want, you know, the less, the lower carbon mobility options. Mm-hmm. So we have got to work together, um, not just as a city, but with our newer communities to figure out how we're going to do this. Um, I spoke to a young girl that said she took an hour and 45 minutes each way to get to school. Oh my That's a lot of time on a bus. Um, and I think we need to, you know, start taking this feedback seriously. Like, you know, like I said, why are students leaving? Why are people getting jobs somewhere else? Um, the other thing is, like I said before, the sliding scale pricing model that also could create barriers. I think we need to maybe re- evaluate that yeah um and you know there's talks of the green line um that it'll create job support economic development benefit um the one thing i'll say with the green line is you know um i'm supportive of the first phase but i am disappointed on how the project's been run with project management turnover but it's you know we got a new ceo so that's going to be interesting to see Mm -hmm. um how what his plan is about ensuring fiscal transparency and accountability and again students should be involved in these like these decisions um like i said like the green line is a future um, project, <laughs> um, you know, some of us may never use it, you know, that are, you know, doing different ways of mobility, but I think this is really important. And I'm also very much uh, in support of continuing the low um, income transit pass. And then the other thing is, you know what, like looking around at different cities and we talk about low carbon options like bike paths, but are there other opportunities you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, autonomous vehicles and things like yeah. that. So we talk about being competitive. Um, now is the time to start looking at these opportunities other cities are offering their students. Mm-hmm. I want to dig into the green line a little bit mm-hmm. um, because I know students are eagerly awaiting this project. The current path of the project, um, do you support it? And sort of as city council for Ward 1, how does your position help to work on the project or shape the project going forward in the next four years as we start to see construction on it. Yeah, and uh, so thanks for that. And like I said, I'm in support the first phase. Um, like, it, you know, we'll create some jobs and economic development. But this project has cost, it's, it, the, the, the price keeps increasing and the scope keeps getting smaller. Mm-hmm. We have to be very careful in the next little while what we spend our money on. Right. Um, one thing I'll say is, you know, we have a lot of projects and priorities. Are there too many? Mm-hmm. And when we ask ourselves, you know, what the green line's giving folks, the next question is, what's the return on investment? Yeah. You know, and so, you know, green line, um, it's been in the talks for a very long time. And there's got to be more accountability, more transparency for the citizens because this is taxpayer money. And we want, and, well, and provincial money as well. We mm-hmm. can't forget that we are getting money from our partners. Yeah. But we also have to make sure um, if this is what we need moving forward for our city and the usership of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just important as transit is, housing and affordable housing mm-hmm. is equally as important to students. And Ward 1 has a lot of older family neighborhoods that don't necessarily offer a lot of variety or affordability of housing for students. And I think students are most prominently looking for options um, and affordable options. So what will you do as Ward 1 counselor to ensure that more options for housing exist for students and other residents who aren't necessarily looking for that traditional family home without mm-hmm. actually leaving Ward 1? 
So, yeah, thanks for that. I think one thing to think about is uh, our city is unfortunately still behind in providing adequate affordable housing mm-hmm. for all in need. Yeah. Um, and, you know, our government as a municipality, we need to continue um, looking at, you know, prioritizing investments. And we also need to, you know, look at capital funding. That's the first priority. These folks need somewhere to live. And the other thing is we make making sure our affordable housing is... Um, you know, placed in locations where, where, where there is critical amenities. So as public transit, shopping, recreation, libraries, we need to make sure that these places are in, in are conducive to where um, folks are going to want to live and yeah. use them because generally maybe they don't have a vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that can cause a gap for families and young young folks. Um, and the city can't do it alone. Uh, like I said, we need to have make sure we're building stronger relationships with our federal and provincial government uh, for funding. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these issues, um, obviously, like you wouldn't be tackling alone. Mm-hmm. Like city council is a very collaborative, Absolutely. like teamwork uh, type of environment. So I guess maybe you could, if you could speak to, you know, how you plan to work as a team with your other city councillors, because mm-hmm. we're going to see a lot of turnover, a lot of brand new councillors this year. I, so I think the important thing is, you know, um, uh, we all have to just park our egos. That's mm-hmm. the first thing everyone needs to do and like not that. have agendas. Mm-hmm. Um, our agenda should be the citizen's agenda. And, um, you know, having the experience I've had and I've, what I've seen, or especially, you know, over time, um, we've got to bring it back to representing the people. Um, and I'm a big collaborator. That was probably this, lots of the successes of my previous roles is, you know, um, I wasn't making the final decisions. I was bringing people together mm-hmm. to make sure that their voices were heard and that's something we need to do as a council we need to you know we need to get along and uh you know shape the city the way it needs to be and then the other thing is okay that we all have opinions and we all need to share those other big thing is communication with each other and making sure we're following proper governance right like you know there shouldn't be you know uh things happening where other councillors don't know about it we have to have as council we have to have good communication and good collaboration another thing we set an example um, we're the leaders everyone's going to look up to. Mm-hmm. So let's set an example as council. And I know that there's some great candidates out there in different words. And, you know, I'm looking forward to working with them all. Yeah, so. that's really exciting to hear. Yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to, you know, seeing what this council can put together and how they can work together. Um, and not only just working in between, you know, council with yourselves, but of course, outwards with stakeholders and uh, other levels of government. Um, so sorry, this is definitely off topic, but yeah, <laughs> I was watching the Ward 1 Candidate Forum. Um, that was a couple nights ago on YouTube. And you talked about, you know, the partnership and relationship with the provincial government, which obviously is very timely and very important because a lot of what is actually mandated that is, you know, crucial and important right now is from the provincial government. But we've heard from this council, um, from the councillors and from the mayor that there is little opportunity to interact with this UCP government um, and the leaders that are in it. So I guess, how do you plan to work with this government that maybe doesn't want to do it in return um, so that we make sure we're seeing what, you know, people are looking for from the Mm -hmm. provincial government right now? You know, I think the one thing is, is... I think everything can be rebuilt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, any relationship can be rebuilt. It's also a two-way street, you know, and it's how you talk to people. It's mm-hmm. how you treat people. For sure. At the end of the day, again, we all have the same people we're serving. The other big thing about, uh, I would say, about the government um, in the sense of working together 
is that, you know, um, we, we talked a lot about lanes and who should be swimming in whose lane or, you know, things like yeah. that. But uh, we're in a really difficult time. Yeah. And I think we just, it's literally restarting the, the conversation with the government. And the other piece is, you know, as a candidate, I've already reached out to some of the, you know, folks, the MLAs, and right. saying, hey, if I win, can we have a coffee? Yeah. Um, it starts with the simple conversation of introducing yourself. Yeah. And also is pressure. Pressure from the city administrate or sorry, city council to back to the province or yeah. back to the federal government saying, listen, we have a city to run. Mm-hmm. We need your support. And it's okay to admit that we need support sometimes. I think a lot of that has to do with my previous convert previous comment about egos. Yeah. Park those. Yeah. There's no place for them in chambers. And we have got to move forward as a municipal government and a provincial government and get along. Yeah, I really appreciate that answer, and I think it's going to be so important to do the things that you mentioned um, coming up because it's a, it's a really important time. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. Um, time flies so quickly, um, but I had one more question and some parting words, um, if you'd like. So it's, a, I mean, it's a really exciting time with mm-hmm. advanced polls have being open for three days now. Um, they are open until the 10th. And just over a week away from election day. (laughs) So um, I guess like what would you say to students right now um, who are, you know, planning on going to the polls, but, you know, are seeing really long lists of candidates? What sets you apart from others on that list? And why do you think students should be making a plan to go and vote this week? Well, the first, I'll go. I'll answer the last question first. I think it's really important to get your voice heard. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to see change, get out there and do that, and that's your first step is voting. Second is, you know, what sets me apart from the other candidates is, you know, not only am I award one, uh, born and raised Calgarian. You know, I'm I'm not um, that far off for understanding what university students need. Like I said, I'm a mom with little kids growing up very quickly, and I I want to engage with them. Mm-hmm. I want to understand what you know, students want. Um, And then the other thing is my unique experience. You know, I can hit the ground running. I'm not going to be naive to say that this ship is not going to take a long time to turn. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'll be drinking out of the garden hose, not fire hose, I like to call it. (laughs) Um, And I am willing to, you know, bring your voices to the table and push status quo. I think sometimes it's not that, you know, you just want to be that disruptor. It's how you do it and how you're able to kind of influence and collaborate together. And that's been um, probably one of my biggest strengths. And then the other thing I said, you know, I'm okay with admitting humility. I think, you know, you're, you're a person and you can make mistakes and that's good too and I will always park egos at the door but I think students please just make sure you're doing your research Mm -hmm. uh, vote for the candidates and then you know that you like but also reach out to them see who's answering your questions Mm -hmm. and taking the time to do that yeah absolutely thank you so much for being here Sonia for chatting with me and chatting with the students who are listening Um, thank you so so much you're welcome well thanks for having me absolutely stay tuned because we have another candidate guest coming up thanks so much Sonia thank you I'm alone in my house I'm out on the town I'm at the bottom of the bottle I've been knocking them down I can't get back up on my feet See the lights on the street But look what I found Look what I found 
Hello, hello, and welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my name is Marley. I'm the Vice President External at the University of Calgary Students Union. Today is a very special day because we are interviewing several candidates in Ward 1. Um, I just had Sonia Sharp on the show, but you're tuning in now for Jacob McGregor. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you? I'm good. I'm very, very tired. I've been doing <laughs> I've been on the trail here since January 4th. Oh, I got my goodness. In, got in the first day we were allowed, so... It's a long haul, but we're almost there, and we got some momentum. You're so. so close. Just over a week away to Election Day, and advance polls are already open. I know lots of people are taking advantage of that. And yeah, I was going to ask you, you jumped in very early. So what made you decide to be Award 1 candidate? Well, I had actually made this decision back in um, November of last year. Okay, nice. And that's partly because I wasn't very happy with how we were represented by our current incumbent who is not running. Well, mm-hmm. that was kind of a roller coaster in itself, whether <laughs> he was running or not, but Ward Sutherland, I would reach out to him with an issue and not hear back for weeks or mm-hmm. months, if at all, and when I did, it was a very rote answer. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, um, I've always been very dedicated to serving my community. Mm-hmm. I have an extensive volunteer background. Nice. And I think the best way I can serve my community now is to listen to all of you and be your voice on City Council for Ward 1. That's really, really great to hear. Um, yeah, I know you've been out at the doors hearing lots from residents in Ward 1. What priorities are you hearing most about, Jacob? Uh, safety. So we got a... I live up in Tuscany, nice. and we have a brand new fire station up there yeah. that's only um, properly staffed about a quarter of the time Okay, and has some vehicle issues uh, because of how stretched thin our fire department is. So I'd like to see... Things like that change, obviously. Yeah. And because uh, that's a safety issue. Right, right now when you call, you will either get one from our local station. Hopefully they have a vehicle that can serve the situation properly. Or you'll get a um, vehicle and crew from Noah's Hill. And right. that'll take 10 to 15 minutes. So, But in addition to that... We've all lived through COVID and the economic downturn here, mm-hmm. so I'm mostly hearing a lot about mental health. For sure. And I think there's some practical things we can do. Like, I'd like to see an uh, online portal where you can see all the mental health service providers in the city Yeah. by cost, program availability... And you or your loved one's uh, issue you need services for. Mm-hmm. That'll give people a great place to start when seeking services. Yeah. And then also, I'd like to remove cost as a barrier because one of the bigger groups that need these mental health services are lower income Calgarians, even students. I know how expensive it is to be a student. <laughs> yes. I was a student here as 
early as three years ago. Oh, nice. So, um, but I'd like to see a pilot program with yeah. our partners at the province where we can do something similar to the low-income transit pass to remove cost yeah. as a barrier when seeking mental health services. So. That's really good. A lot of really important issues and really, really great ideas, especially with mental health. It's a huge one right now. And for students, you know, this transition between online learning and in-person learning has just been a real roller coaster. Oh, absolutely. I've got some uh, some volunteers that are students. Okay. And their schedule has obviously been very different yeah. whether we're talking about in class or online and it's very different learning online it I, is. I never liked listening to lectures remotely I always wanted to be in the room and hear because you end up missing sometimes little anecdotes and things if you do yeah. this remotely so Definitely. Are you hearing, because I know there's no post-secondary institution specifically in Ward 1, but there is a large student presence. Are you hearing anything specifically from students? Oh, we are. Ward 1, part of Ward 1 is varsity. That yeah. means a lot of U of C it students does. are in my ward, so thank you. Come out and vote, but we'll get to that at the end. We will. Um, I, I've heard a lot, for one. I'd like to... Um, continue the low-income transit path, things like this to make transit more affordable. Mm -hmm. I want to see more bus rapid transit. Um, but more than that, I want to help get you guys jobs when you reach that glorious day when we're all crossing the stage. Yes. And um, I think organizations like Platform Calgary and mm -hmm. things like this, who are accelerating homegrown tech startups, mm -hmm. are a great way to um, close that employment gap we're seeing right now. Yeah. But other than that, we also need to make the ability to buy a house in the city more affordable. Mm -hmm. And that partly means increasing the housing supply mm -hmm. but i think we need to balance whether we're growing outward upward how much and when yeah yeah that's a really important issue and uh, students are definitely looking for that variety and affordability in housing specifically and i think ward one has a lot of like older family neighborhoods, traditional style that students might not necessarily be looking for. So, you know, how as a counselor would you make sure that there was more options for housing for students other and other residents too that not, aren't necessarily looking for that traditional family style home? Well, a lot of people are, but I know many aren't yeah. right now, especially younger folks. Um, so we do need to densify a bit, but what we've seen is at the current city council, this push to densify by any and all means. Right. And um, be more worried about accomplishing the the goal itself yeah. rather than listening to where residents... Because the people that live in these communities, they know where these housing varieties 
will properly fit in their community better than city planning does. Yeah. So I'd like to see uh, more resident engagement at the planning stage, not just the approval stage. When Mm. we're looking at the things like the guidebook for great communities, we saw engagement, a lot of engagement at the approval stage. Right. But not when we're building the policy. Right. And that's backwards. I'm really glad you brought that up because as a student leader and as a student just generally, that's like our number one concern is that our voices aren't being heard on issues that matter most to students. And I mean, issues that matter to students also matter to everyone, right? And you bring exactly. up a really good point about the guidebook. And the other one, I think, is transit. Uh, projects like the Green Line or the Low Income Pass and the U Pass, students' voices are, are definitely left out of those conversations. I uh, was. Well, a proud user of UPass. Nice. It was <laughs> Good. a valuable, valuable program it is. and it needs to continue to be one. Yeah. Yeah. So. And students and student leaders specifically have a lot to you know say on the program and tell them that what's working and what's not. Um, so I think student consultation would be something that we'd be looking for. How as a counselor would you engage with students? Absolutely. Well, We'll start broadly, because during this campaign, I have never um, missed the opportunity to reply to an email or phone call within 24 hours. Wow. (laughs) My my ears and my door are always open for engagement, and I'm hoping to be the the voice of my constituents, not... um, stand in as pushing things that I would like to Mm -hmm. see. So I am completely committed to having an open door policy with student groups, with seniors groups, with people with disabilities. I happen to be one. So (laughs) women, uh, BIPOC community. Yeah. so that's a lot of voices. <laughs> absolutely, but they're they're all important, right? Yeah. And pe- people seem to forget this. They they get in and they they see themselves as the end all and the be all. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas it should be. I view this process as a year long job interview. Mm. And if you're not listening to the people that hired you. You're not doing the job right. I think that's a really great way to to see this. And, yeah, that's a lot of voices to be listening to. And, you know, as a city councilor, you'd have to make some decisions that might not please everybody. But how do you balance all the voices that you'd be hearing from? Well, you're you're never going to please anybody. Everybody. Yes. You're you're absolutely right there. But the goal Mm -hmm. is to have... A clear, plain language communication strategy wherein everybody understands why you made the decision you made. Yeah. I'm a very data-driven person. If the data tells me that a certain program is going to improve service and hopefully lower costs, Mm -hmm. then that's what I think we need to be going with. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and it, it's a good way to sort of go about all of the voices that you'd be hearing and the decisions that you'd be making. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, Jacob, and what we've dealt with this past couple of months is vote anywhere. 
So for the listeners, earlier in the summer, Elections Calgary made the decision not to provide voting opportunities for students on campus. And obviously that's a huge accessibility barrier for students who want to vote, who want to participate in voting, but just have, I mean, you know what it's like to be a student and our schedules, right? Well, and especially if you live in res, it's easier to just get up and go to the dining hall or Mac and vote And vote. And not having that, um, yeah, was a huge scare for us, that students would be losing that voice. Um, So the SU had to fight really hard to get polling stations back on campus. So we did have them in a limited form uh, this week during the advanced polling time. But Jacob, I'm wondering, you know, in four years, there's going to be another election. What will you do as a city councillor to make sure we don't have to go through that fight again? Well, for one thing, hopefully we're not dealing with a global pandemic. Hopefully, fingers crossed. That makes the issue a little easier to deal with, but I'd like to see polling stations at post-secondary institutions, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, I live in Tuscany, so I generally just have to walk down the street to my polling station, and I think students living on campus or having to fit voting into their campus schedule should have that same opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, I mean, yeah, like we said, there's no specific post-secondary institution in Ward 1, but there's a huge student presence. And also, council is very collaborative, and you work together with your other councillors. And this is an issue that I think, you know, a lot of candidates we saw united on and a lot of current city councillors united on. Um, But I guess, you know, on that collaborative nature of council... We're going to see a lot of brand new city councillors. How do you plan on working with your colleagues to making sure, you know, there's shared successes and things actually get done? Well, I've actually been working on that right from the start because I've been running a weekly podcast. We've missed a couple of weeks when the campaign's gotten really busy, but I've I've been running a podcast wherein I usually sit down with another uh, counselor candidate, and we talk about issues, and we built that rapport already. So wow. you, you, fifteen of us are going to be colleagues. So it's yeah. important to build that relationship early. And I've I've talked to candidates from almost every ward. Some wards, multiple candidates. Yeah. Some wards, only a couple. But there's definitely people I'm. Oh, very, very ready to work with right now. Yeah. But even if I don't end up being colleagues with these particular folks, my um, background in the volunteer space Mm -hmm. gives me that nothing gets done in the not-for-profit space without collaboration. Absolutely. Because... You don't have a war chest of money to <laughs> throw around and advertise For sure. and, and lobby necessarily effectively. So you have to go into the meetings you do get with a where do we both sit and when we find common ground, how do we actualize that into policy. Mm-hmm, for sure. So. That's really cool to hear about your podcast and sort of your interactions already with can the other I candidates. Can I Absolutely. That, okay? that was my next um, question. <laughs> it's called Your Neck of the Woods. Okay. You can find it on basically 
any podcast streaming service, yeah. Apple, um, any of them, any yeah. of the big ones. Great. So. That's awesome. Really good to hear. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing that with us because it's uh, it's definitely something that makes municipal the municipal level of government really interesting is that it's a lot more collaborative. Well, and that that's another thing in terms of how I'm hearing these voices yeah. or or and listening to them. I want to continue the podcast as a counselor yeah. and reach out to you guys weekly and talk about what I'm hearing. And so you're informed, I'm informed, yeah. and we can all move forward. That sounds like um, a really great way to do it. I'm also committed to dedicating a day of my work week purely to community issues nice. and answering all all your questions and dealing with the phone calls I get from individual citizens. Mm-hmm. I am here for you. So That's great to hear, Jacob. And, oh my goodness, we're running out of time really quick. But as parting words, what sets you apart from the other candidates here in Ward 1, and why do you think it's important that students go to vote this week? Well, this is the most important election we've had in a generation. Um, two, almost two-thirds, if not two-thirds of council are likely... Or already going to have new counselors, as is the yep. case in Ward 1. So if you have something you're very passionate about and issues that, one, keep you from making Calgary a place where you want to build a life, mm-hmm. we want to keep you. Yes. So vote. So have vote. people like me. <laughs> who are going to listen and work hard every day like I have for over a year to be your voice. That's really great to hear, Jacob. Thank you for that message and for leaving that with the students. Um, We are going to stay tuned in because we have another special guest coming right up after this. But, Jacob, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate the time that you gave to the students today. Thank you very much, Marley. And if you want to learn more, also go to jacobforward1.ca perfect and uh, you can email me like I said you'll hear back with we'll hear day, back. I promise <laughs> at jacob at jacobforward1.ca perfect thank you Jacob and best of luck with the next couple of weeks here thank you
Hello, hello, and welcome back. Thank you for staying tuned in. If you're just joining us now, my name is Marley. I'm the Vice President External here at the University of Calgary Students' Union. And today is a very special episode featuring candidates all from Ward 1. I had Sonia Sharp on to start, then Jacob McGregor, and I'm joined now by Chris Blatch. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me back. Uh, it's been a while since I've been at CJSW, but I used to work here. And nice. So yeah, I did spoken word for oh, cool. CJSW for a while. That's awesome. Well, great to have you back. Um, maybe just... Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, why you chose to run for Ward 1. Okay. So uh, I uh, grew up in Calgary and I live in Ward 1. I live smack dab in the middle, uh, right nice. by Bonas Park. <laughs> um, I uh, went to the University of Calgary. I did my uh, first two degrees here and then I ended up joining the Canadian military. I was an army officer. Uh, during that time, I, I did another degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, when I finished up with that, I uh, started a business with some uh, military friends, and um, once that grew to a certain level, I, I, I decided I wanted to cash out of that line of work, and yeah. uh, I ended up uh, pursuing my other passions, which was uh, museums and, oh, and, cool. and libraries, and I became, uh, um, I worked for Fort Calgary as an education coordinator, and then I ended up working for the Calgary Public Library. I worked at uh, Bowness and in Crowfoot and downtown, and then I ended up uh, transitioning to become a school librarian, oh, so that's cool. where I'm at. Um, all that time I was involved in politics and uh, working with um, committees and trying to contact the city and it's so difficult at times mm-hmm. and uh, trying to get things done. But at the same time, I also learned how to reach out to councillors, how to work right. with, uh, behind the scenes, how to get uh, motions passed and uh, work with politicians at other levels as well. And um, I'd really like to put that to work for Calgarians and uh, make it a lot easier for people to interact with the city and uh, make sure that people are being heard. For sure. And, yeah, you're definitely very committed. Um, and I know it's been kind of a, a candidacy, of, a weird one this time, you know, campaigning during COVID. Um, but you did run in 2017, is that correct? I yeah. did, yes. What, how's the experience been different to be a candidate in the 2017 election versus now? Well, it's very different. When you're not running against an incumbent, uh, right. it's so different. It's, it's, it's hard to run against somebody that's been there for a while and has been fundraising for four years and has a $200,000 war chest. Um, and this time, you know, there's a lot of choice, and um, I think people want to, uh, you know, are willing to listen to different ideas and see what's out there. And mm-hmm. uh, it's also just different in terms of online. The political environment has changed uh, uh, last year, or not last, 2017, I found yeah. Twitter was so important to it. And um, people are more willing to email you directly because I think they, they recognize that uh, sometimes the online debates get pretty volatile, and which is nice. And uh, it's nice to get to talk to people directly, even though it's hard with um, knocking on doors and standing as far yeah. away as you can yeah. for us to have in that chat. But uh, people are really eager to uh, see some change in the city. So. That's good to hear. What are you hearing as, you know, kind of the front-running priorities for Ward 1 residents right now? Well, it's such a large, diverse area. It is, um, yeah. And every neighborhood has its own unique issues. Um, every neighborhood has uh, traffic issues that are coming up. Um, we have some pretty poor civic design in some of those areas. And trying to address how we can make sure that the streets are safe. And uh, in terms of safety as well, people want to see more police involvement in the community. And uh, I've, I've talked to many police officers being ex-military. I know lots of people that became police officers and people at the street level, even the police chief has talked about they want to look at uh, delivery of policing. And we want to move back to a, a community-based policing uh, 
approach where they're more involved and people get to know them and there's more of a, uh, a partnership between communities. That, and, yeah, that's really yeah. interesting. I haven't heard that being brought up yet. <laughs> um, what are you hearing? I know there's like a large student presence in Ward 1, even though there's no post-secondary institution physically in Ward 1. Um, but is there sort of voices that you're hearing from students that have the same priorities or different? Uh, I, I hear from students all the time and I'm, I'm hearing from students. Uh, like I, when I went to the University of Calgary, I lived in Ward 1 and in Tuscany and, and uh, they one thing that comes up is why do we? What is Calgary going to give for me? Like, what can, what kind of city is this going to be, and why should I stay here? Because so many people are talking about leaving the city, and we have to make sure that we're making a, a livable city that means livable for everybody, and that means looking at transit. How is transit working? What is going wrong with it? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we make it more usable? And neighborhoods, getting around neighborhoods, making it safe to however you want to get around the neighborhood. And uh, in terms of finding a place to live, um, we talk about densification a lot. And the problem is that the, the words use like a magic bullet, but um, sometimes it's not being utilized the best of it, how it could be. Mm-hmm. And it's um, sometimes densification is taking away um, what could be student housing and affordable housing and putting in, you know, luxury condos sometime. Uh, and I, I'm not saying there shouldn't be luxury condos, but um, we have to make sure that we have this balance in our neighborhoods and that we have places for everyone to live. And that includes students because it, it is hard when you're struggling and you're trying to go to class, you're trying to uh, hold the job down, and you're worrying about rent because rent keeps going up every year because property taxes are going up every year. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad that you're hearing from students. Um, I know one of the issues as a student leader um, and from students overwhelmingly is that we have a hard time, you know, our voices aren't heard at all levels of government, but specifically municipally because a lot of the issues that the municipal government deals with are very front-facing for students. Um, so I guess, you know, how as a city councillor would you, you know, commit to engaging with students on issues that matter most to students, but just issues generally? Well, we've had a huge problem in Calgary in terms of not reaching out to people before decisions are made. Right. Um, the city loves to, well, they've been put up a sign when there's a change coming and they say, give us a call. We have three days to call us and if yeah. um, uh, we don't hear from anyone, we're going to do it, but you call them anyways. And they say, well, the decision's already been made, but thanks for the input. And that's right. not how we should be doing We have to be reaching out to people proactively and making sure that people are part of the decision. Because sometimes we have even good decisions or good ideas that are turning into bad decisions because we're not engaging the people that are actually going to use these things. And it's really causing problems in the community because nobody's being listened to. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that we're going out and talking to the people in the planning stages, not after the fact. What does that specifically look like? Because I know, Mm -hmm. you know, talking to that many people and hearing that many voices, there's going to be a lot of competing messages. So how do you sort of organize that and balance those yeah, well, everyone deserves to have their voice heard, and you know, there's there's uh, facets to issues that I probably haven't even fathomed. <laughs> and by making sure that we are the ones going out to find what people have to say is super important. Making sure that we're talking to those people, going to their homes. If we're going to be doing something to the street that's going to drastically change traffic and parking. Uh, bus routes, that we talk to the people that live on that street because they have insight into what that that street might need. Mm-hmm. And so going out knocking on those doors, I mean, we shouldn't be just doing that during elections. A big part for me too is being able to uh, contact the councillor. I yeah. put my phone number out there 
It's on all of my election stuff, but that's going to be my phone number after the election too. I, okay. I'm a big fan that you should be able to call your counselor yeah. and, uh, and not hide from constituents. Right. So. Yeah, no, that's really good to hear. And I think one of the issues that students are looking to be consulted on or heard on is transit. Mm-hmm. Students overwhelmingly use transit, look to transit to be able to access um, and affordably access. And we know that transit in Ward 1 is not ideal. Um, and there's a lot of students who spend a solid couple of hours on transit every day to get to their campus. So what would you do as a counselor to improve transit accessibility for students in Ward 1 specifically? Yeah, I, I know exactly how bad it can be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I worked at a school that was 15 minutes away from my house by driving, and I tried to take a bus to work, and it would have taken me two hours just to get oh there. You have to head downtown and then back That's uh, crazy. To, to go. <laughs> and um, we, uh, with the way that the city has, has grown, and uh, we add a route, and we add another route, and we add another route, and they're not integrated. We've put bad de- ideas on top of bad ideas. Right. Um, I've talked to city planners um, uh, all around um, North America. I've gotten input from them. And what they've talked to me about is saying that we need to look at models of delivery for transit. And uh, BRTs, they're cheap. They're easy to get in. That's a bus rapid transit. So you run a, tr- uh, a bus route like a C-train line. It's constantly going and easy to jump on and off and we have the buses feed into there so you can hop on a bus get it going uh, wherever you're going quickly and instead of this sit on a bus and it takes you on a a long journey through your neighborhood because it doesn't make sense for um, going and picking up groceries doing your errands or getting to a friend's house all Mm -hmm. all we have set up is get on the bus and get downtown and get home after work if you're a nine-to-five person, and that doesn't work for students. No, yeah, absolutely not. So one of the other things I wanted to ask, you know, transit-related is the green line, Mm -hmm. um, because during your potential term as council,